0: And then let me make one other announcement, something that I am very excited about uh, this morning. It is, uh, today is the last, and I got to make sure I get this right, the last Sunday in May. Next Sunday, June the 7th, is a very, very special day. It's the first Sunday that will be live, uh, how do we say it, and in person. We're opening the church back up. Uh, we'll be here worshiping together with what we hope to be many of you this coming, this next Sunday here, our regular service times, 8.30 and 10.30. We'll have both services. We'll still be streaming. So if you're not comfortable being here in the building, we certainly understand that. And let me say this. Uh, let me take a few moments to talk about a few things. First of all, you being here in the building is not, and we don't intend for it to be, and we hope no one would think about it this way, that's not a statement of your spiritual maturity. If you're uncomfortable being here because of the coronavirus, we want you to know that uh, we bless you in every way to stay home, tune into the stream as you have been. But being here is not intended to be a statement of whether or not you really love the the Lord or you love this place. Uh, We believe that uh, you can worship the Lord uh, just like always here or there as you watch it on the stream. There will be a number of... uh, of regulations placed upon us. We'll be practicing social distancing. We'll open the doors uh, uh, not, well, early, but not super early. There'll be a time when you can come in. There'll be ushers, but those ushers will have a responsibility to help you find your seat. All of our, sort of our fellowship common areas will be closed. We won't have coffee and donuts. We won't have those fellowship times. Uh, we'll ask those that come in to wear a mask and uh Um, worship team will have masks on beforehand and then take them off during the worship time as they'll be practicing social distancing. There'll be a number of things like that. Here's what I'd like for you to do. This week, we'll be preparing a very special video that will give you all of those details so that you'll know exactly what to expect. I do want you to know right off the bat that the church you'll be returning to next Sunday will be different than the one that you left, uh, oh, 10, 11 weeks ago when this process began There'll be lots of things. There won't be any children's ministry. There'll be lots of uh, coming and going. Uh, sort of orchestration. We'll come in certain doors. We'll leave certain doors. We, we'll have certain things that uh, that will be very different. So I want you to be aware that it will be different. But the thing that won't be different is God's presence will be here. We'll be worshiping. We'll be preaching the Word, uh, and we'll tell you more about that this week. Uh, Watch social media. Watch Facebook. We'll have a a short several-minute video that will describe all of those processes, so lots of things going on that we want you to be aware of. But that's next week. Well, it's Pentecost Sunday. Uh, I hope that you are as excited about this as I am uh, working on this sermon over the last week or so, knowing that today was Pentecost Sunday, and knowing that this would be the first Sunday that I was back live here in the building, Um, Oh, my goodness, I'm excited to preach it to you. Pentecost Sunday 2020. And I can't think of a a more appropriate, uh, just the timing of it. With all of the things going on in our world, it is a perfect timing to talk about what the Spirit of God brings to people's lives. I want you to consider some things uh, as we think about Pentecost. We'll get to Acts chapter 1, chapter 2, some of those verses of Scripture in a little bit. But I want you to consider, as we begin this this morning, the perspective of the New Testament believers. A few things that I want you to notice. First of all, Jesus has now ministered among them for three and a half years. He's walked with them. He's talked with them. He has uh, he's eaten with them. They have lodged in the same places. They have watched him perform miracle after miracle after miracle. They've seen him raise the dead. They've seen him multiply bread and loaves. They believe him to be the Son of God. At the point that we're at in the story, Jesus has now been crucified, they have seen him die, and they have now experienced a resurrected Jesus. They have, uh, for some 40 days, they have interacted with him, and at the point in the story that we enter it today, he has gathered them all together in Bethany on the Mount of Olives, and it's in that setting... After having seen those things, after having experienced those three and a half years and the miracles and all that he's done and all that they believe him to be, he has now pulled them together. He's been teaching them in a resurrected body for 40 days and they ask this question from Acts chapter 1 verse 6. After all of that, this is what they ask. Acts chapter 1 verse 6. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord will you at this time restore the kingdom to israel lord will you at this time restore the kingdom to israel they are still thinking after all that jesus has done they are still thinking in terms of a physical earthly kingdom romans being cast out israel being exalted as a nation will you now lord it's it's almost like they it's almost like a, a, a child that's been in the back seat how much longer my parents say, five minutes, five more minutes. How much longer? Five more minutes. And they have finally gotten to this place where now they think, okay, surely we are there now. Surely this there's nothing else left. There can't be any other miracles. This is when it's going to happen. And they say, Lord, now, will you now restore the kingdom to Israel? I want you to notice Jesus' answer. He almost sounds like a parent. The answer is in the very next two verses, verse 7 and 8. Lord, will you now restore the kingdom to Israel? Jesus says, It is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. It's, it's almost like Jesus says, That's none of your business. Or if we would say, that's none ya. That ain't none of your business. It's not your, it is not for you to know what the Father is going to do, but. He doesn't stop there. And it's in that context. They've asked the question. He said, listen, that's none of your business. However, but, he says, and it's in that context that we hear Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive the answer. You you don't get to know what the Father is going to do. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. They wanna know one thing and Jesus says, listen, you're asking the wrong question, and I feel no obligation to answer it. I'm I'm not going to tell you when the kingdom's going to be restored. It's not your business to know what the Father's going to do and how He's going to do it. Here's all you need to be focused on. When I leave, I'm going to send a power, and you'll receive it. And your job, without knowing the times, without knowing the dates, without knowing what happens next, you have a single job. You're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Almost instantly, Jesus ascends to heaven, and they are left perplexed still. When's the kingdom coming? When's the the power going to be restored to the nation of Israel? When are we going to assume these positions? When are we going to be exalted in the eyes of the world? When are the Romans, when are we going to be free? When are we going to have the things we think we deserve? And Jesus answers none of those questions. You will receive power. And that power will make you witnesses. I want you to notice a thing here that I think is very important. They think, they think that the very best thing for them is to know what Jesus and the Father are going to do and when and how they're going to do it. Lord, are you going to restore the kingdom now? That's what they think would be best. Tell us what comes next. Tell us the next event on heaven's calendar, Lord. Tell us what you're about to do so that we'll know, so that we'll be at ease, so that we'll see it coming, so that we'll be able to plan, so that we'll be able to get our life in order in accordance to that plan. They think that the best thing is to know exactly what Jesus and the Father are going to do and how they're going to do it. But Jesus and the Father think, that the best thing for them is to just have faith in their plan and not know, but to be endued with a power that will change how they live in that unknown future. I want to make sure you know that, that you see that. They think that the best thing will be that they know. Jesus thinks that the best thing will be that you have faith in me not knowing, and I'll give you power to endure the things that are going to come in that unknown future. My goodness, it's a... It's a very, it is a very appropriate message for this day that we live in. Why? Because we don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know what the future that's about to be impressed upon us is going to have in it. We don't know exactly what we should do. The church is asking questions every day. What's the new norm going to be? We, we've been talking about it just this morning. How are we going to do next week? Where are people going to sit? How are they going to come in? How are they going to leave? How do we get people to wear masks? Do they need to wear masks? What's the worship? I mean, there's so many questions. We've got some that, that, that we still don't have the answer to. How are we going to do what it is that Jesus has called us to do? They have, it would seem to me in this this picture just before the day of Pentecost, they have one really good redeeming quality. They are smart enough to be obedient. They're smart enough to just do what Jesus told them to do. There's some things that they know and some things that they don't. They know that their entire world has changed, but they just don't know what to do about it. They don't even know exactly all the ways that it's changed. They know that there will be a new normal. They just don't have any idea what that new normal is going to be yet. It can't fit Jesus leaving into the picture yet. They, they, they can't see how that's good. There got to be a hundred questions that flood their mind. The scripture gives us some indication of that. They know that they will never be exactly the same, but they don't know what they will be yet. You're going to be endued with power. You're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. Their whole world for their whole life has consisted of Jerusalem and Judea. They don't even cross into Samaria. They they certainly don't imagine going into the whole world. They know that something new is about to come upon them. They don't know what it is. They don't know what they will be. They don't know how they'll handle it. All they do know is enough to be obedient. Go to Jerusalem and just wait. Any of that sound familiar? Any of that sound like where we're living today? Any of that sound like the thing that's upon us? They do all that they know to do. There've got to be voices. There've got to be voices crying out among the 120 in the upper room. I imagine this. This is in the Rhodes paraphrase. They get there. They wait one day. And I guarantee you that there's a group going, we're just going to sit here and wait. We're not, we're not going to get our, we don't have our plan written out yet. We, 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 we don't know what come on we got to get this you know there's this other group across town and they got their seven steps we don't have ours there's another group that's like what's for lunch <laughs> three days did anybody bring anybody bring sandwiches got any falafel got any got any pita what comes next and somewhere in the group and I don't know who but there's Somebody that says, hey, he said, wait. He said, wait. Put down all of that stuff that you think you're supposed to be doing and just wait. They return to Jerusalem. Where they wait. And we, we read this story with a lens of, the, of looking back on it but they're living it with a lens looking forward with a blank screen. They wait, and for what? They don't know. They have no indication of what's coming. They have no sense. They have no exacting prophetic word that tells them the mechanism or the time. They don't know that it's going to be three days or four. They, they, They have... Is it going to be a month? It's going to be a year? It's going to be two years? Wait. Wait. They don't know the connection between the feast of Pentecost and what's about to happen. They know of Pentecost. It's a Jewish feast, but they don't know that that's the day. And in Acts chapter 2, in that setting, maybe maybe now you can feel what they felt, the the unknown, the tension of the unknown, the uncertainty, the what comes next. the We don't know what will be. We don't know what we're to do. We don't know how long to wait. We don't know what tomorrow. We don't know. What do we tell our families? My wife keeps sending our son up here to ask me how long I'm staying in Jerusalem. I don't have an answer for her. The boats are there. The nets are ready. People are fishing. We're not fishing. What, what's supposed to happen? I made up all of that. But they're living real lives. The day of Pentecost, the day of the feast, the Jewish feast of Pentecost arrives. And then in Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, it's the only word that could be there. And suddenly, you could almost say, and finally, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound. Who was the first to hear it? What did they think it was? You don't think spiritual at first. You think, what's going on outside? What, what's that A sound like a mighty rushing wind that filled the entire house where they were sitting? And suddenly divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at the sound, the multitude, see other people heard it, not just the ones in the upper room. Other people heard the the speaking in tongues and perhaps the wind as well. But a multitude came together and they were bewildered. Because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished saying, Are not all of these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? But others mocking said, they're filled with new wine. Suddenly it happens. The promise that Jesus has told them to go into Jerusalem and wait for has now been poured out upon them. They are endued with the ability to speak languages they've never known and the sound of it draws, just like it always does, it draws a crowd of people. When people begin to lift up the name of Jesus and they begin to exalt the name of Jesus, the world takes notice and they come. Just a few quick points and we'll wrap this up. First of all, the result of this baptism is completely different than what they thought it would be. You say, Pastor how do you know that? Because they're still asking questions about kingdom right before Jesus leaves. Oh, we're going to get power. Oh, I like that. It's going to be that right and left hand thing. We're going to sit. Oh, yeah, we're going to get thrones. We're going to have power. We're going to deal with the Romans. We're going to deal with our nation. We're going to lead. We're going to be men and women of some authority, some power, some position. But the result of this baptism is completely different than what they thought it would be. It's counterpositional. Instead of picking up thrones and titles and names and positions, this thing that God pours upon them causes them to start laying things down. Instead of picking up things, taking on title and authority and position and money, and they begin to give up things, they begin to. Lay their plans down. They begin to lay their dreams down. They begin to lay their lives down for the cause of Christ. They begin to forsake all that they were. Their, their, their agenda, their plan, their process, their list, their, their program, all of that gets pushed aside because the Spirit of God begins to mold them into his way of thinking. It's counterpositional. People lay things down rather than picking them up, and they're also, it's the things that they're picking up. They're not picking up titles. They're picking up crosses. They're picking up burdens. They're laying down time For themselves and they're picking up the time restraints of the kingdom of God they are being filled with the thoughts and the plans and the agendas of a heavenly kingdom rather than an earthly kingdom and suddenly Israel doesn't become the thing his kingdom becomes the thing they pick up crosses and they lay down the idea of worldly power how do you know that Luke chapter 17 verse 20 Jesus spoke about it even beforehand It says, being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed. It's not going to happen the way. And we still got people today thinking that they can usher in what God wants to do. And they think that they can speak as the mouthpiece of God. Let me tell you, the spirit of God, when he comes upon you, is going to cause you to lay down who you are and pick up who he is. It's counterpositional." The result of that baptism is completely different than what they thought it would be, and it's still different than what some people think it should be today. Secondly, much of the religious thought of the day got discarded. Romans chapter 14, verse 17, Paul writing later says this For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness. Oh, come on, but of righteousness. Come on, church kingdom of God is a kingdom of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. I see such turmoil, such aberrast at times, such, such friction, such discord, all in the name of the kingdom of God and church. That can't be because the things that the spirit of God bring to you, oh, it brings righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. All of that religious stuff that the Pharisees and the Sadducees were trying to push upon the church world. And the, we even see some of that in the lives of the New Testament believer, the, 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 the disciples of Jesus. Lord, can I sit on the right? Would you let my son sit on your right and left? when you assume you're a th- When you assume you're the Lord, will we now, are we going to receive these titles? And Jesus said, listen, you've missed it all. At one point in time, he turns to Peter, who is thinking of this earthly kingdom, and he says, get behind me, Satan. You have in mind the things of this world, not the things of God. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. It's a matter of righteousness produced by the Spirit of God living in us and peace and joy in that Spirit. And then third, and the most significant point today. Now listen, church. You say, Pastor, when are you going to get to the gifts? I'm not today. Third, the day of Pentecost. The outpouring of the Spirit of God was all about harvest. It was all about harvest. The feast of Pentecost, the Jewish feast of Pentecost, upon which the Holy Spirit got poured out upon that day, is a day, it's a feasting day. It's one of, the, one of the sacred feasts of the Jewish people. It occurs 50 days, hence the Pentecost, 50 days after Passover, and it marks the beginning of and celebrates the harvest of grain. It is not insignificant that the Holy Spirit gets poured out upon people's lives on a day commemorating harvest. Notice what Jesus And Peter said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, we read it a moment ago Lord, you're going to restore the kingdom? It's not for you to know, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. You're going to be the ones that are going to reap the harvest, you're going to be the ones that are going to tell the world from your life, from your attitudes, from your heart, from the righteousness and the peace and the joy that come out of you when the Holy Spirit fills you up, from that flow, from those rivers of living water that the Holy Spirit is going to bring from you, you're going to reap a harvest of souls for the kingdom. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria, to the end of the earth. Listen to Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 16. Peter has now been filled with the Holy Spirit. He's now stood up on the day of Pentecost as this great crowd has gathered together. And listen to what he says. This is, when they say these men are full of new wine, Peter says, no, they're not. This is that which was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, even on my male servants and my female servants. In those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. The words of God are going to come out of them. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes. The Lord's giving some things that are going to happen before he returns. He says the great and magnificent day. Now listen. Listen to what's going to happen because of what Peter has said has happened upon the people of God. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The infilling of the Spirit of God, the gifts, all of the gifts, all of the empowerment, the prophecy, the wisdom, the knowledge, the tongues, the interpretation, the working of miracles, the gift of faith, all of it, the administration, every gift enumerated has to do with the harvest, church. has to do with souls coming to the kingdom, you and I being transformed into people through the infilling of the Holy Spirit that make it possible for people to see Jesus in you and I, the change in you and me. It's all about harvest. The miracles done by the Lord through us, because of the gifts of the Spirit, they're to lead, to harvest. And here's what I believe as we close this up today. I have never lived in the 55 years that I've been on this earth. You have never lived in a time where the fields are whiter for harvest than they are right now. We have never lived in a time where people are more hungry for something that is certain. We've never lived in a time where people are more confused about what the meaning of life and the brevity potentially of life. We've never lived in a time where people are looking for something upon which to hang the meaning of life and the substance of their life and the hopes of their life. They're looking for something that is immovable, unshakable, that can't be changed. It can't be voted out or burned down or or changed or, or argued or any of that out of existence. They're looking for something that will endure the test of time. And the scripture is very clear. Jesus said, and of his kingdom, there will be no end and his words will endure forever. And it's those things that the spirit of God on the day of Pentecost, poured into those believers in the upper room. It was the assurance of the kingdom. It was the parameters of the kingdom. It was the power of the kingdom. It was the scenarios that happened in the kingdom versus the scenarios of this world. And they began to be the procreators of the kingdom of God everywhere they went. And people began to be drawn to the Father by what they saw. They spoke with the authority of the kingdom. They walked in the knowledge of the kingdom. They laid their lives down, and the power of the Spirit of God that infilled them made them witnesses of the kingdom everywhere. They were witnesses of the Republicans or the Democrats of the agendas of man or the things of this world. They were witnesses of the kingdom of God because the Spirit of God had filled them up. And they had no other choice and this world has been prepared for harvest. Two quick questions this morning. Otis, if you'd come back, please. Number one, are you prepared for the harvest? Are you ready for the harvest? Is there something in you stirring that says, this is the season? This is the time the fields are ripe. It is time for the people of God to speak according to the spirit of God that lives in them. To speak the things of God. Not speak my agenda, but speak his agenda. Are you ready for the harvest? Are you ready for the harvest of God? Is your mind thinking, instead of terms, watch this, instead of being afraid about what comes next... Instead of allowing the unknown to paralyze you, to say, listen, I I don't know what comes next. I just know who's got it in his hands. He has poured his spirit into me. It hasn't revealed tomorrow's agenda. I just know that when I open my mouth, the spirit of God that lives in me is going to come out And my number one concern is not going to be this kingdom. It's going to be the kingdom of God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness. And then all these other things take care of themselves. The day of Pentecost was all about the harvest. The endowment of power upon you and I is all about harvest. Are you ready? Is your life aligned in such a way that it's ready to participate in the harvest? Have you allowed the Holy Spirit to, I don't know, to purge some things from you and add some things to you? Have you heard the voice of the Spirit saying, No, others may, you may not. That's not for you. That's not That's not who you are. You've been filled with the Holy Spirit. You're all about harvest now. You're about the kingdom of God now. My Spirit's going to manifest through you, and it's not going to be about your position or any position is going to be about the kingdom. Are you prepared for the harvest? And the question that that then leads to is, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Have you asked the Father? Have you waited and tarried like the believers in the upper room? And and have you said to him, Lord, I need to be completely filled up with your Spirit. My, My thoughts, Lord, they... they they lead me in the wrong direction. They fill me with fear. They fill me with uh, uh, concern about the unknown nature of what's coming next. I I don't know. Lord, I don't know what's going to happen in our nation. I don't know what, and and it can, Lord, it can just get to be where it's so overwhelming that I'm missing the harvest all around me. Somebody's got to be the voice of certainty that comes from faith in the kingdom of God. Lord, that's got to be me. Are you filled up with his spirit or is it the spirit of the world, the spirit of fear, the spirit of uncertainty, the spirit of anxiety, the fear of worry, the fear of of all of the things that this world is pushing upon people right now? Oh, Lord, I don't know what tomorrow, and because I don't know what tomorrow holds, Lord, I don't think I can function today. That's not the spirit of God. You need his spirit. How do you get there? I just want to challenge you this morning to do something right now. Right now while you're watching me, I know it might be strange. Maybe you're in your living room. Maybe you're at the kitchen table. Maybe you're at the island. Some of you might be watching on your phone, sitting in an easy chair somewhere. Maybe you'll watch this later tonight or Monday or Tuesday sometime this week. doesn't matter. The Lord's got you right where he wants you, right when he wants you there. What do I want you to do? I want you to close your eyes. Otis, can you real quietly sing, I will not be silent? I will not. Right where you are, close your eyes. You say, Pastor, there's a there's a way that I mean I've been to youth camp when I was a kid and I saw people get filled with the spirit. Listen, that's all good. I love all of that, but you don't have to have that. You say, but I need somebody to lay their hands on me. No. That's good. We love that, but you don't have to have that either. You just need you and the Lord. So right where you are right now, do this for me. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. Holy Spirit, right now. Everyone watching this. Lord, earlier in this, I went outside and there were some 60 tuned in on YouTube and some close to 70 on Facebook. So somewhere in the neighborhood of 130 homes, individual people somewhere watching this. Others will watch this later via the stream. Holy Spirit, right now. Come on, church folks, right where you are, you got your eyes closed? If you can, if you're comfortable, stretch your hands up to heaven right now. I'm not trying to introduce a formula. You don't have to do any of this. I'm just trying to put you into a position where you are submitted to whatever God wants to do in your life. Holy Spirit, right now. Right now, Lord. Now, right where you are, ask him. You can say it out loud. You can say it inside. Father, fill me with the Holy Spirit. Fill me with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Right where you are. Ask Him. Lord, fill me with your Spirit. The day of Pentecost, 2020, fill me up. Oh, Lord. Father right now, now as you feel the Holy Spirit begin to fill your mind, He'll begin to fill your thoughts. There's going to come a moment, I believe, I be when He'll begin to impart well, a, its words you won't that you do not recognize. Just open your mouth and let those out. I flow, oh mama fill them up father fill them up lord and in so doing lord push out all of the anxiety righteousness peace and joy come rushing in And let the kingdom of God fill them up, Lord. So that when they speak of this world, they'll be witnesses of your kingdom. Suddenly their lives, Lord, will take on a different tact. Where they have only been concerned about what's going to happen tomorrow. What are we going to do? How will we know? What are we... What? No. All of that... It'll take care of itself as they seek first the kingdom of God. And others, Father, they're going to see that change. And they're going to say, what, what happened to you? And they'll say, well, the kingdom of God filled me up. The spirit of God has baptized me in his spirit. And those things, while important, aren't the most And peace has replaced my anxiety. And joy has replaced my fear. And righteousness has replaced my sin. Because I've been filled up with the Spirit of God. And then, Father, use us to be witnesses for your kingdom. One last time, can you sing, you are worthy as we finish this up? And you are, you are worthy, yes, you are. us up on this day of Pentecost and use us, Father, to establish your kingdom. Bring in the harvest in this time, Lord, where the world, Lord, has been so filled with fear and anxiety, draw people to you and use Holy Spirit-filled, harvest-oriented, Spirit-gifted infused believers with rivers of living water flowing out of them with the gifts of the Spirit manifesting and bringing forth the kingdom of God. Use them, Father, to reap a harvest for your kingdom. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen and amen. Hey, thank you so much for joining us on Pentecost Sunday 2020. A couple of things. First of all, we'll be back here at 5 o'clock tonight, 5 to 6, for a great time of Spirit-inspired prayer, join us here at five o'clock and invite somebody to come with you. And then remember, Wednesday night, uh, Wednesday morning, we'll have our senior adult service, 1030. And then Wednesday night, our study in the book of 1 John. And then next Sunday, live in this building. Please stay tuned this week. We'll have lots of uh, guidance on social media as far as how we'll do next Sunday. And you'll want to be a part of that. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. Get outside, enjoy your family. If you've been, listen, if you've been filled with the Holy Spirit this morning, or even if you haven't, if you have, let us know. If you haven't, keep seeking. Keep asking, Lord, fill me with your Spirit. Fill me up with the Spirit of God. I have no doubt that he will. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. We'll see you back here tonight at 5 o'clock for our time of prayer. Be blessed. Bye-bye.